I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week... Stop me if you've heard this one. We have some problematic shit to talk about. Oh, yep. From the episode of NXT that originally aired on April 3rd, 2014. In this episode, there is some fun stuff. There is some stuff that I liked, but I am very mad also. Mm, mm, I think that's the correct response. episode 46 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, we had some fun with uh, Vengeance Week, Mm -hmm. which included a really awesome main event, among other things. Uh, This episode's main event is significantly less awesome, Uh, and I would say the show overall is significantly less fun, Mm. but hopefully Bob has some more positive feelings about it than me. We will find out in Bob's breakdown, after which we will experience the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. No wrestling term of the week this week, as Bob is still working on their women's wrestling history fanfic. But we will, of course, be completing the cheap pop quiz. And as always, the first thing we need to do before any of this is get the answers to last episode's cheap pop quiz. Bob is still sitting at five points here in the fifth round of quizzing. They need 15 in this case for a romance novel bonus episode with a guest. So let's see how those chips fell. Question number one. What term that we've previously discussed on this show do the announcers completely fail to explain on the next episode? Was it A... Mark, B, B plus player, C, corner man, D, heat, or E, ratchet. Mm-hmm. Bob, you went with D. You thought they were going to talk about heat. I would have preferred that. Yep. The correct answer is E. Yes. <laughs> ratchet. I'm sure we will get to that. Question number two. The next episode is structured around three feuds that NXT is building towards, but as we've already seen, in wrestling, plans change sometimes. Of these three feuds, how many are never properly resolved in a one-on-one feud-ending match, and why? Is it A, one because of an injury, B, two because of two injuries, C, two because of an injury and somebody getting called up to the main roster, D, three because of two injuries and somebody getting called up to the main roster, or E, three because of an injury, somebody getting called up to the main roster, and somebody getting fired. Bob, you went with that one. That was incorrect. The correct answer is C, two because of an injury and somebody getting called up to the main roster. Mm. And we will talk more about that in the episodes to come. And finally, question number three, What Corey Graves-related thing occurs on the next episode? So many. A, he defeats Sami Zayn in the wrestling match. B, his storyline with Sami Zayn takes a really cringy turn. 
C. He cuts a nonsensical promo against Zane about a puppy walking into a forest and, and getting caught in a bear trap, and then the wolves come. D. He keeps Sami Zayn in the headlock for so long that the crowd starts trolling him by chanting, We love headlocks! Or E. All of the above. Bob, kind of serve this one up to you a little bit. Yeah, thank you, though. I have to keep you honest with the all of the above <laughs> answers, because one day, one day, it will have been all of the above so often, it'll get in your head, yes. and you won't choose that answer. I know. But it is not this day. You chose all of the above, and you were correct. Yay. Bring your total to six points now in this edition of Quizzing. Oh, man, and what an all of the above it was. <laughs> what an all of the above it was. Really, like, the phrase... Corey Graves-centric episode and episode I didn't really like mm. very much go hand in hand. <laughs> it was a lot more Corey Graves content than I think the average person would prefer. On that note, Bob, let's get more into this one. Let's get into Bob's Breakdown. All right, we start off with women's action, Emma versus Sasha, accompanied to the ring by Charlotte and the popsicle head of Summer Rae, because that's what 2014 is like. <laughs> they start off and then Sasha flings Emma, who whips herself into the ropes, and Sasha drops to her belly to avoid being hit, which is a really common thing that people do in wrestling. Yes. Emma just halts and drops to her belly next to Sasha and mimes, what the heck are you doing? Which is the most meta thing I have seen on NXT thus far. And the cheekiest I've seen Emma. Miles, she's come so far. They both have. I know. I know. I love this match. I thought it was really, really good. Yes. And I hate the announce team for actively dragging it down. But the match, like... I, I love Emma and I love Sasha and I love this match so much. <laughs> I didn't expect to have such strong feelings. I have a question about the conventions of wrestling because this match mocks common moves that we all just sort of accept as normal that somebody will get flung into the ropes. They'll bounce back. The other person will drop down because allegedly they that's the fastest way to get out of the way because moving is too hard. <laughs> now, is getting to mock the conventions of a match a face thing, a heel thing, or everyone gets the chance to do it because... It is, to some extent, fourth wall breaking, and it is, to some extent, a Bugs Bunny thing to do, which is to go, why are you playing by the rules of the thing that we have agreed upon is the rule set? That's an interesting question. I think mainly it's a face thing oh. for that reason. Okay. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong about that, but. If you're breaking the meta rules of wrestling, mm -hmm. you're usually doing it for a laugh. Okay. Like, my first reaction to Emma dropping down like that is to think that it's funny. Yes. And so I think if you're a heel, you're less likely to want to get the crowd to laugh in that way. Like, mm -hmm. if you're a heel, maybe you want them to get them to laugh at you, but you don't want to, like, make a joke and have the crowd think it's funny because that gets you, like, more positive okay. overness. You know what I mean? As opposed to, like, heat. That makes total sense that the face gets to be in on the joke, but the heel can't be in on the joke. Because if the heel's in on the joke, then they're not a heel anymore. Yeah. And and I think that 
a lot of the time, if the heels in on the joke, then you fans start to like appreciate it and like them. And that is the thing that happens. It's mm-hmm. not that heels never do that, but I think that as a general rule, my sense of it is, and I haven't thought about it that much. Obviously, mm-hmm. I have. I didn't know the question beforehand, but my sense of it is that it's more of a babyface thing, just because it's a it's a spot designed to get the crowd kind of laughing and happy, which is more of a babyface thing to do. Okay. Because I have seen some convention playing with from heels, but it's more in the vein of somebody is expecting the heel to do something not heelish, and the Mm -hmm. heel does a heel thing, and then they sort of shrug like, what did you expect? Right, Have you not been watching the product? And, like, there is a certain meta-ness to that, but not in the same way of going, like, oh, you're doing a common move set that people do all the time? Lol. And then you do see it, like, the only other example that we've seen so far in our coverage actually has been by a heel. And that's at least the only one I remember, and Mm -hmm. that was when Cesaro was uh, tormenting Byron Saxton. Yes. And, like, kept looking back at the entrance waiting for Regal to come out, because that is why he's doing what he's doing. But that's less mockery. That's yes. less like, I'm going to have fun with the meta rules of pro wrestling as it is like, I am smart and understand how the show works. Yes. And I think there's a subtle distinction between those two things. I agree. Okay. Thank you. So Emma does a slam on Sasha, but Sasha seizes control and the crowd starts chanting Sasha's ratchet. And Renee does call it out as shitty, which I do really appreciate that she does that. She does not explain it, and it is not addressed as a racialized term. It is addressed as a term that is about women, which is somewhat accurate, I would say. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. What thoughts did you have? Because you, this was one of the things that made you angry, whereas it made me angry, but I also was like, yep, the NXT universe being like they were before the NXT universe gave a shit about fact that this is uh racist and not a cool thing to do i was fine with renee bringing it up and Mm -hmm. saying what she said i mean she could have said more obviously but um when asked by regal to define it i don't think she did a very good job no and obviously it's not like in 2014 it wasn't her job to bring a nuanced take on this terminology to the broadcast but then to have it immediately followed up by Regal making another, like, out-of-taste joke about the women he's dated or his ex-wives or whatever yes. it was he said. To me, it was like, okay, well, any any goodwill you had any shred of a chance of gaining is now at the window now. So, again, I continue to be okay with Sasha kind of leaning into it to the extent that she can in terms mm-hmm. of she is reacting to the chant and yes. she's using it to further her relationship her antagonistic relationship with the crowd which is i think the reason that renee even feels the need to bring it up in the first place Mm -hmm. is the fact that sasha is reacting to it as opposed to pretending it doesn't exist which i think is better than pretending it doesn't exist i agree regal is so good and so often brings so much to his commentary and it's just always so disappointing to hear him go there. And it always seems to happen when he's there with Renee because somebody decided that it would be cute if they had this kind of relationship. And I really just don't. I'm kind of past the point of like thinking it's fun or interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I just hate I just hate it now. And it's every time they're on commentary together, this happens. And yes. I am really very over it. I'm over it as well. But I will say that it does not surprise me in the least, not because Regal is a man necessarily. 
but because it is a familiar comedy tradition to go, uh, you know, somebody take my wife, please. And I'm not surprised that for somebody who is just learning the ropes of commentary still, he's only been doing commentary for like, what, 18 months, maybe. I don't know how much commentary experience he had prior to this. Yeah. I imagine it was some, but not certainly not in a regular capacity. And so it doesn't surprise me that somebody would go to the most familiar well there is. And that doesn't make it okay. It's just like, oh, of course you went there. It is the <laughs> it is the path of absolute least resistance. Yeah, especially since Regal is an old school guy. Oh, you know, yeah. He is an older dude. And he is a guy who has always known how to stay on Vince's good side. And he's always kind of known how to like do WWE the right, like the Mm -hmm. WWE way, you know what I mean? Like the standard way he's always kind of known how to, you know, be puerile when he thinks that puerile is what is expected (laughs) of him. So it doesn't really surprise me. It's just, I I just want. It's tiresome. Yeah. I mean, we're looking back on things from 2014. I wanted a lot more from 2014 in general. 2014 was fucking Gamergate year. Like, I I look back at that year and I'm like, you should have done better. And this is just one element of that. Yeah, agree. Although I will say that watching him in current NXT, I don't know that I can definitively say, oh, there's growth, but it doesn't feel like the kind of thing he'd do now. No, absolutely not. He's very adaptable. And I think part of being adaptable like that is knowing that that's not the kind of thing we do anymore. Once again, he knows what is expected of him. He knows what is best, you know, for <laughs> for business. <laughs> yeah, best. Exactly. He would never do it today because if he did it today, more people would have more shit to say about it. You yeah. know what I mean? So Emma gets back some momentum to do her spidery holding the ropes to dilemma. And then spy style rolls away and pops back up to go Whatcha! with her little chops. <laughs> and I love it when a wrestler wrestles in character. It is the greatest thing. And I feel like companies, yeah. they don't let people do it enough. And like, I don't care if the wrestling is bad, as long as it's bad for character driven reasons. I love me some terrible wrestling. Let people do stuff in character. Give yes. me weird character beats, everybody. Okay, so Emma's doing well, which is the sign for Charlotte to get up on the apron and go, how fucking dare you fight during this fight at our job, which is fighting? (laughs) And Emma gets distracted by it. Sasha shoves her. Emma careens into Charlotte, knocking her off the apron. Revenge for her loss to Charlotte. And then Emma locks in that submission hold, that Ouroboros of flesh. That's right. And Sasha taps. So the bad blood with Charlotte and Sasha continues. Just a minor correction on that one. What actually happened oh, yes? is that Sasha shoved Emma, attempting to shove Emma into Charlotte so mm-hmm. that Charlotte could like hit her or yes. something. But Emma, for like the second or third time in the match, like ducked out of the way. Oh. And Sasha's own momentum carried her into Charlotte. Oh, so okay. that was why they were a little bit squabbly at the end of the match. It's because Sasha is the one who actually knocked Charlotte off the apron. One of the things I really like about this match is that it foreshadows that moment because of all like sort of the dodging. And mm. at the beginning of the match, there's a whole sequence where Sasha keeps trying to like clothesline her or grapple her. And Emma keeps ducking out of the way and keeps ducking out of the way. And it's frustrating her. That leads into the spot where Sasha drops to the ground and Emma drops down next to her. So all of that is foreshadowing and build up for that final moment in the match, which leads directly to the finish, which oh. I love 
in which the announce team probably could have said something about if they weren't too busy being idiots. I didn't even notice the announce team during this, which is not a good sign. I would like to notice the announce team doing a good job instead of not doing any job. Mm. So package on Mojo Raleigh. Miles, you are probably aware that Uh he doesn't get hyped. But had you heard that he stays Mm. hyped? I think I had heard that somewhere. Okay. I'm I'm happy that you have confirmed it. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure you knew. Yeah. So we get a commercial. (laughs) Undertaker is going to fight Brock Lesnar. Was this a thing that anyone wanted to see or cared about? Or was it just a Vince thing that he like he had a boner for this? And so we had to do it. Oh, no, this was a huge match. Oh, people cared. Okay. Oh, absolutely. I'm like, I struggle to give a shit about anything Brock Lesnar does. Because he looks like a side of ham that someone drew a face on. People always care about Undertaker WrestleMania matches. I will oh, say that people okay. people care about this match a lot more now than they did at oh. the time. Because at the time, it was generally assumed that there was no way that the Undertaker, who had never previously lost at WrestleMania, was going to lose that streak at the hands of Brock Lesnar. Oh. And then he did. Oh. And everybody was shocked that Lesnar won that match. And so, yeah, it's, a, it's actually a really... Um, important historical artifact in wrestling and people care about it a lot more now than they did probably at the time. I have a weird note about my wrestling autobiography and I didn't realize it until just the other day. My first WrestleMania is the pandemic WrestleMania. Yep, absolutely. That is a weird thing to have as like the benchmark for what a WrestleMania is. <laughs> and I don't, I don't regret it or anything. I'm not going like, oh, man, right. if only I'm fine with it. And I think there were a lot of things that they did really well that shocked me how how incredible it was. Despite the fact that The Undertaker is a problematic figure, as I understand it. And you understand correctly. I did appreciate that he stood on a building in a cinematic match and he <laughs> threw AJ Styles into a grave later on. So, you know, WrestleMania, whatever year it was, WrestleMania 2020 didn't do me too bad. So, okay. Best Undertaker match at WrestleMania. Oh, wow. That's probably not true, but I'm going to say it because it'll piss people off. There you go. That's the spirit. Yeah. So way to, <laughs> way to get some heat. Tag team action for a given value of that phrase. <laughs> Connor has officially traded the enormous coat with the huge collar for his chainmail halberd. Sure. Yeah, I don't know my medieval clothing very well. I thought a halberd was a weapon. Could be, could be, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I do. Have, okay, here's a fun fashion word for you, though, because I took costume history because I thought I was going to be a theater major. And then I realized stage management meant you got yelled at a lot. And I was like, nah, mm. I mean, usually yeah. for things that aren't your fault. Right. But Lyra Peep. So it's that hood that you see in what? late medieval stuff that has the super long tail. And okay. now mainly recognizable in academic formal robes. So Lyra Peep. This has been Medieval Minute. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's just fun to say. So Connor and Victor are going to fight some guys, Hurley and Vandal, which, boy, (laughs) that looks like they went to a name generator and they were like, what are names for wrestlers? And that's what came out. So I'm not going to talk about the match. The highlight, Connor bodily hurls Vandal into the ropes twice and the audience chants, 
one more time. So he does, and it's fantastic, and it looks really painful, and I was a little bit worried because I was like, I don't think Vandal agreed to get thrown into it that many times, but I guess that's how the cookie crumbles. I have more to say about this later. Okay, well, I I do have a butt watch, and I'm going to get my butt watch out of the way now because I saw something else. Hurley has lime green, sort of daiquiri lime green briefs, and Mm -hmm. the word seen is written on his butt s-c-e-n-e yes it is in bright pink cursive his ass looks like an ad for a cafe that sells gelato (laughs) i want to go there i want to have the gelato but i was like i didn't expect this local cafe to be using your ass as their main marketing technique I'm just uh, looking over his page on Cage Match to see if that's, like, gear that he has from his other gimmick or something. Mm-hmm. The only other name that Cage Match has him known as is Irish Jack. So well, I don't know if that, uh, I don't know if that works out. I don't know why he has seed written across his butt. Theory, he forgot his gear and that was what they had in the costume shop. That's honestly probably closer to the truth than anyone would care to admit. Oh, I, I've been backstage. I know how this fucking goes. You go, you gotta go out there, put this on. It doesn't matter. No one's looking except for me. This is the one that fits you. You're a jobber. Just put it on. Uh, yeah. Don't No, I don't care if it's not in character. It is what is clean. It's not like fucking seven years from now, anybody is going to be analyzing this in podcast form. The match was maybe 90 seconds. I just want better for the Ascension. But always happy to see that they're out here and that the crowd is popping for it. So, yay. Yeah, that, that was a big yacht chant this time. Oh, yeah. They like, were like, when they hungry. came out, the crowd was screaming for them. Oh, weather update Tyler Breezes entered the building. Thank you. Thank you, Brandy Rhodes. <laughs> and now Xavier <laughs> Woods and Brodus Clay is also here, which is fine, I guess. It's not fine. Well, no, it's not fine. But to the surprise of me, they do make it a point that Xavier Woods has been saddled with Brodus Clay's former music. And I was kind of surprised that they brought it up. And then Brodus Clay brings it up later on. Yeah, so this is actually a storyline that's been happening on the main roster. Okay. So on the main roster, uh, Xavier Woods has been hanging out with R-Truth a lot. But more recently, he started hanging out with the Funkadactyls, uh, Naomi and Cameron, who were Brodus Clay's, like, girls, I guess, like ring girls, uh, who would come out and dance with him and with Sweet T, a.k.a. Tensai, a.k.a. Jason Albert, his tag team partner. <laughs> I guess, like, Woods was kind of feuding with him, and I, I, I don't know how much of a feud it was, but mm. he definitely started hanging out with the Dactyls and definitely started using Clay's music, who, which, of course, Clay himself is not the first person to use that mm. music, as we've talked about on the show before. Indeed. And then Bros Clay fucking turned on his partner on Tensai and, like, turned heel by <sighs> ending that tag team. So, like, when he gets on the mic later, he's like, WWE took my tag team partner from me. It's like, you, you turned heel on him, Brodus. <laughs> you you actually, you are the one who did that. Oh, my God. Well, okay, so there's a handful of things that happen. Clay starts out in control. He gets Woods down and just steps on his chest and does an intense butt dunk. He spends mm. some time, more time than I'd like, to be honest, doing a double Vulcan nerve pinch on Woods, which it doesn't oh look like anything. Don't know why you do it, but... It looks like you're massaging him. I know. And badly, which I could stand. You know what? I would appreciate a gimmick where, and I get that consent is a thing and it's important, but I would still, 
appreciate a gimmick where your thing was mid-match, you start giving an uncomfortable massage to the person you're fighting. I think that would be funny, even though it would be inappropriate. I don't know. All many gimmicks are inappropriate, so I don't know where that falls <laughs> on the scale. But I think it would be cool to go, I'm subverting what we're doing here. I'm going to make you tap out because it's too awkward. Make that a gimmick. Anyway. I'm going to find the exact spot where it hurts the most. Yeah. Woods battles back and does my favorite wrestling move ever because it is fun to say. A shining the wizard. shining wizard. Yeah. I mean, it's just running and throwing your knee at someone's face, but it's, ah, what a great name. It is a great name. Clay does a powerbomb to smash Wood's spine into a fine pulp. He goes to the middle (laughs) rope and splashes down onto our prone good boy and pins him for the win. Clay's not done, though. He gets on the mic. WWE has taken everything from him. His music, his girls, the Funkadactyls. His tag team partner, his pride, his self-respect, his dignity. The audience is saying, what? After every line, so the effect is somewhat spoiled. Long story short, he's going to challenge Adrian Neville, quote, the man that gravity forgets, which makes it sound like gravity (laughs) just accidentally dropped him behind the back of the couch. (laughs) Uh, In the same vein as Brodus, you did this to yourself in regard to your tag team partner. Uh, You also cost yourself your dignity and your self-respect when you became a fucking Trump supporter. Mm -hmm. So fuck off. Into the sun. You right-wing piece of shit. Backstage with Adrian Neville, Sweet Hobbit Boy says, You can't just come in here and announce that stuff. You earn your opportunities around these parts. So there. And then he apologizes to Devin Taylor. Yes! For not answering her original question. Because he has beautiful manners. I love that so much. He, like, gets fired up about bros. He's like, sorry, Devin. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to raise my voice. I know. And he barely <laughs> raises it. Adrian Neville, if he had 10,000 pounds a year, like, I would marry him in this Regency novel. He is the Bingley. Do you know what I mean? Bingley only has 5,000 a year. Oh, that's right. Oh, man. How could I forget? You know what? Even if he, even if he only had 2,000 pounds a year, because he's such a good <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. He's so polite at that's, balls. It's a, a good point. So backstage, 20 seconds of Tyler Breeze checking his appearance on a phone while sitting in front of an actual mirror. A plus character work. I had very positive feelings about Tyler Breeze during that moment. Absolutely. We get an ad for WCW pay-per-view matches DVDs. Okay, what the frickle frackle is the deal with ECW and WCW and WWE? Because I know that ECW and WCW (sighs) are gone now. What's the timeline here? Because I know... Some of them got bought or or folded. They're gone. Maybe they didn't all get bought. I don't. What What is the timeline of these other promotions and their relationship to WWE? We've talked a little bit about this in a previous wrestling history, like back before we started doing the women wrestling histories. Long story short, so WCW. I think dates back to like 1982. It was the name of the TV show that was put on by a company called Georgia Championship Wrestling. Okay. And so the people that long, <laughs> shit, that probably long story short, I probably shouldn't have gone back to 1982. <laughs> it gets bought by Ted Turner in 1988 because mm-hmm. Turner really wants to be in the wrestling business. He wants to compete with Vince. He hires Eric Bischoff to run the company in 1993, and that was what... Rich people have weird hobbies. Yeah, and that was what really started taking the company in a 
popular direction creatively for a little while. By 95, you have Nitro competing with Raw, and then that's where the Monday Night Wars come from. Right around that same time, ECW became a thing. So ECW started in the early 90s, I think. Ah. It used to be called Eastern Championship Wrestling, and it was part of the NWA. The National Wrestling Alliance, the NWA, was the name of the sort of collective territorial system that existed in the days prior to WWF monopolizing the market. Uh So prior to 1984, 85, that kind of the kind of mid 80s when he did that, the NWA was sort of a loose affiliation of territories that would all kind of have their own show depending on where they were located regionally. But then there was like a universally recognized NWA champion who would like tour all of them, right? And like the NWA board would vote on who the champion was, right? Oh, what? Okay. Basically, in the early 90s, Eastern Championship Wrestling was part of the NWA, sort of, but like kind of was had an antagonistic relationship with them. Mm -hmm. And in 1994, decided to sort of screw them over. NWA was running this tournament to crown the new NWA champion. They wanted to run it on Eastern Championship Wrestling's, like, in their home promotion. Mm -hmm. And they wanted one of their main guys, Shane Douglas, to win it. And um, Paul Heyman, who had recently come in to run Eastern Championship Wrestling as its main creative guy, convinced the owner of the company and Shane Douglas to pull off this stunt whereby Shane Douglas would win the NWA title and then give a promo after the match in which he threw the belt down, said he didn't want it because NWA didn't matter. It was a, it was a dead promotion Whoa. and declared himself the new ECW champion. And they changed their name to extreme championship wrestling. And that was the birth of that promotion. Okay. So they seceded from the NWA and sort of launched themselves in that manner. Both these companies came to an end in early 2001, essentially because their television was canceled. So both of them had arguably been going downhill creatively. WCW definitely had been going downhill creatively, which had resulted in WWE taking back control in the ratings war, WWF at the time. ECW had a really bad relationship with TNN, who was the network airing their television, mm. and um, eventually didn't get renewed, couldn't find another network, so had to had to fold in, I think, January 01. And then WCW, in addition to their ratings going down, what happened with them was Turner Broadcasting had previously merged with Time Warner, mm-hmm. and then Time Warner merged with AOL. Jesus. And... <laughs> The new head of that company basically decided that he didn't like wrestling and didn't want wrestling as part of their uh, assets. So took them off television. WWF came in and bought their uh, assets and hired a lot of their wrestlers and didn't hire some of their wrestlers and, you know, that whole thing. Okay. That was like March 2001. So like early 2001 was when the Monday Night Wars, which you could have considered a three-way battle at some point at the height of ECW's popularity came to a head with WWF being the last company standing. And as a result, they have gotten to rewrite the history of that era with things like this DVD collection. Okay, interesting. So WWF at the time did not Mm. buy ECW. They did buy WCW. Yeah, they did buy ECW, actually. Um, I don't know if it happened right away, but they would eventually buy it because there was actually a relaunched version of ECW 
under the WWE brand in the mid aughts. Mm-hmm. So it was like almost what NXT is now. It was a third brand in addition to Raw mm-hmm. and SmackDown that was branded as ECW. It was a it was a catastrophic failure. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you. That is really helpful in understanding WWE's relationship with acquiring other brands and sort of Mm -hmm. putting their stamp on them as though they made them. And it's a very weird practice. I get it. It makes total sense, but it's a very interesting thing and it makes it hard to separate out whose thing is whose. And so that's why I was like, wait a minute, Miles. Tony has Tony Schiavone ever worked for WWE? I don't think he has. I think he's only he ever... has not. Yeah, no. and so I was like, why is his voice on this? This is very weird. Because they own like the tape libraries. And ah, stuff. okay. Well, now for ninety seconds of action: Yoshi Tatsu versus Tyler Breeze. Tatsu yeah. doesn't even get a televised entrance. Boo! All right. Breeze kicks the stuffing out of Tatsu, and we get a smattering of Matt wrestling. To his credit, when Breeze gets going, he strikes like he really hates his opponent, and it's good. He sells it whenever he makes a move. He does the beauty shot. Tatsu is put away for three, and just, goddamn it, Tatsu deserves better. But it does make Tyler Breeze look powerful, so there is that. That's why it's there. Yeah. Backstage, Zane is in the traditional backstage interview area with the decorative girders that there are. Right. I'm, right. I'm assuming decorative, but you know what? Now that I think about it, probably structural support. He is <laughs> polite and says that Graves opened a can of worms by attacking him from behind like that. So, you know, watch out, Corey. Meanwhile, out by a corrugated iron wall, Corey <laughs> Graves is loitering in near darkness for his promo. Somebody, I think, is shining a flashlight on him because I don't know how else they're getting that uneven lighting. (laughs) He's got a story about an underdog. An underdog, just like that Zane guy. See, there was this puppy that wandered just a little too far into the woods and got his paw caught in a bear trap. He tried and clawed and scratched to get free, and then the wolves came. Quote, out comes the wolf. This isn't going to be pretty. All I will say is, Corey Graves clearly worked hard on this he did not let his parents do his homework for him (laughs) and that is what i have to say about the relative merits of this promo i yeah (laughs) god damn god damn it Corey graves that's what i have to say and then we get another package a lot of packages Paige is fucking terrific she's the anti-diva and man i every time i see a package with her i'm like "Ah, Paige. she's amazing interview with Paige. Charlotte and co. wouldn't let Paige have her moment after retaining the championship at a rival. Big mistake. Stop hiding behind your daddy, Charlotte. Face Paige alone or get the fuck out. So, there you go. And now, a very rare occurrence in NXT. An almost 20-minute match for the main event between Graves and Zayn. Is it really? Yeah, it's about 18 minutes. Did it not feel like 18 minutes to you? Oh, no, no, it felt like three hours. (laughs) Well, okay, so the bell goes and Corey Graves just smirks and doesn't move. Sammy reaches for him and Graves leans back in the ropes going, no, uh, uh, the ref creates distance. He pulls the same move twice more, drawing out that tension. Corey Graves is edging us, but edging us quite badly. And then (laughs) the fourth time he just walks out to the ramp like he's going for a count out, just doesn't care. 
And he's trying to pull that shit like he did with Tatsu and get Zane whenever Zane comes to the outside going like, nah, get back in the ring. I'm going to end you. Well, Zane does come to the outside and then ducks the clothesline Graves is trying to slice him with, throws Graves back in the ring. Zane takes Graves on a tour of the turnbuckles, chopping him right in the areolas each time they get to a different corner. Follows it up with a backdrop. It's a very good backdrop. It's a quality backdrop. He catapults Graves eight feet in the air. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, uh, a height one would not like to fall from onto their spine. (laughs) It looked like it sucked real bad. And Zane (laughs) clotheslines Graves to the outside and then does some, you know, those good boy bounces like a dog that's going, Mm. is it walkies? It's walkies. (laughs) And he leaps to the outside in that big starfish of a flip and bowling over Graves on the ramp and they get back in the ring. Graves gets a knee to Zane's head, and he already had that head injury after Graves conked him against the ring post two weeks back. So, you know, keep your eye on that. Mm. Okay, so <laughs> Miles strap in. Holds. So, holds. Holds. Graves is doing that hold that your uncle probably put you in as a child, that arm around the chin thing. Man, fuck you, uncle, for doing that. I hated it. Yeah, it's fucking headlock. I know. Don't don't put children in headlocks, please. <laughs> what? Why? Is there at the uncle convention that all uncles probably attend, is it just a bunch of workshops on how to put a child in a headlock? I swear that is all that they do. Yeah, I had to go to one when uh, when Sharon and I got married and I officially became an uncle. Oh and, my god. Uh, and so, yeah, three out of the four days were all about <laughs> headlocks. We're just headlock seminars. Oh my god. The entire time. God. Oh. All right. So Zane struggles out. They trade blows. Back to that hold. Zane wriggles like a worm stuck on the pavement. (laughs) Zane struggles out again. Graves gives him a boot to the head and then a knee to the head. And the ref keeps checking on Zane going, are your eyes like focusing, my dude? Back to that hold. The crowd takes up the chant. (laughs) Headlock, headlock. And then it morphs into we love headlocks. Uh, I don't know. Like maybe they took the hint because it speeds up a little bit. They're separated again, and Graves is down on the mat. Zane flips over him, so his back is pressed into Graves' chest, and he's weighing him down, hooking Graves' Mm. legs. All right, fine, kick out. Graves pulls out a backbreaker, tries a pin, kick out by Zane. Regal is going, Zane is not okay? That ref should really check on him. Graves runs at Zane, and Zane suplexes him into the turnbuckles, and I love seeing that. I get why they don't do that move often, because I think the... Margin for error is considerable when throwing a human into a hard surface. Yes. So Zane breaks out his big old sexy spinning fancy power bomb, the blue thunder bomb, kick out by Graves. Zane is looking very loopy by this point. He chucks Graves toward the rope. Graves bounces back at Zane and they bonk noggins. The ref is checking them both. He starts the count. They both get up. So they're, you know, quote unquote, okay to continue. Zane is trying to get to the top rope to do one of his high-flying moves. He's stumbling or struggling to get his feet to cooperate, and he crumples back down to the mat. He's still on his feet, but he's like, okay, I can't get to the top rope, which, if you remember from any of our other coverage, Zane always is able to get to his feet and always looks very nimble, so obviously things are going not well. He lays out Graves with a clothesline and he's just sort of doubled over a lot of the time and not focusing. And the ref is sort of like having to help hold him up to check his eyes. Graves catches him with a shot to the ear and pulls Zane into Lucky 13. And Zane is just kind of lolling listlessly. And the ref calls the match because Zane wasn't able to continue giving Graves the win, yeah. but not by tap out. 
No. And Zane is pissed, shoves the ref a little bit once he's sort of able to focus his eyes again, and yells at them doing some impassioned, why would you do that? I was only 80% dead. There was still, clearly, (laughs) 20% of me that could do this fight, and then fade to black. (sighs) Yeah, that's a thing that happened. It is. All right, Bob. Well, thank you so much for that breakdown. What did you think of this episode overall? You know what? I didn't hate it. I was fine with a lot okay. of it. I didn't. I'm glad. I wasn't like going, ah, oh, man, this is great. The women's match was fucking tremendous. Yes. I was fine with a lot of the other stuff that happened. And I guess I was delighted with the Ascension thing because of the butt that said scene. So, <laughs> I, okay. Peek behind the curtain. Dear listeners, what happened was I (laughs) went to on Hulu and Hulu is missing an episode or two, which you may already know if you're using Hulu. And do Mm. we know why? No. Does Hulu know? Perhaps not. I started watching this episode the last time I was doing the breakdown going, oh, this is the correct episode. It took until I had finished watching the Ascension match to go, you know, I don't think I've seen this before. And so I texted Miles feverishly going, Oh shit, Miles, I think I've watched too much of the wrong episode. And But Miles was able to redo one of the questions and it was all okay. But I think I had such positive feelings about it because I experienced those first two bits and then had to stop and I was like, this is great! And so that carried me through the other bullshit. That's fair. That makes sense. Well, let's get into the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. Bob, in this episode, what did your elf eyes see? Okay, fuck William Regal making comments about women. That's bullshit. Okay. However, he was playing with a bubble. (laughs) He was, I saw that too. (laughs) And he just suddenly notices that the camera is on him and is like, oh, okay. And is looking at it. And then Tom is going on for a bit, trying to lead us into the package on Mojo Raleigh. And Regal clearly gets a little bit bored and just starts dancing for his own amusement. It's just like chair (laughs) dancing. And I was like, way to make it fun for you. Like you forgot to bring a coloring book, but you're still out here making yourself a fun time. So that's what I saw. (laughs) Awesome. Miles, what did your elf eyes see? So you already mentioned the Ascension Specifically, Connor throwing Johnny Vandal into the ground three times. Yeah. It just looked scary. (laughs) I know. That third time I was like, you're lucky he's alive, Connor. And it's weird because it's not like just a regular like body slam. Like he just picked him up and slammed him down on his back in the middle of the ring. He's slamming him toward the side of the ring, which is going to hurt more. I don't know about in the fiction or not, but like in real life. The middle of the ring is where the spring is, so that's why that you do all your moves. Not all your moves, but that's why you do, like, the majority of your moves in the middle of the ring or close to the middle of the ring, because it's springier. And so, when you're slamming him there on the side, not only is it less springy, but his legs are hitting the ropes every mm. time he does it. And so, like, his legs are hitting the ropes, that can't be fun, and because you're not in the middle of the ring, there's less room to slam him. You're slamming him less on his back and more like on his neck or yeah. like on his like upper back, his shoulders. And it just didn't look fun. 
And if you look closely, the first time he does it, you can see Victor on the apron just kind of go like, just kind of like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> he does a yikes. And like, he's kind of like, he's almost laughing about it, but he's like, oh, buddy, damn. <laughs> you know? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, just like, just uh, that's what I saw. It's really powerful looking and it gives a sense of the Ascension as badasses. But I part of me is going, there's a reason you don't have more tag teams. And it might also be because the Ascension <laughs> is actually destroying them. <laughs> Bob, what did your Vulcaneers hear? This is something Regal said, and I thought it was really interesting. Okay. Sasha is a hidden gem here in NXT. Yeah. And I thought it was very interesting that he said that because he hasn't said that about other people and how right he was to see it. And I don't know that he was just putting over Sasha because Sasha was in the match or if he really meant it as like, I think Sasha's going to go places. But mm -hmm. seeing where Sasha is now and how integral she is to the storytelling structure of the WWE now. It's interesting to see that that was noticed back in 2014 and how maybe the NXT universe didn't get it. I mean, some of them did because there's occasionally someone who has a sign that says Sasha crew on it mm -hmm. and other people out there with um, pro Sasha stuff. But I was really pleased to hear Regal putting over Sasha as like, keep an eye on Sasha Banks because you're going to be watching her for a long time. I think for people who are really steeped in wrestling, it was very clear from the beginning. Sasha was preternaturally skilled. Yeah. She was just so good at this. Especially, I imagine, to those people who saw her in training every day. Wow. I imagine that it was really obvious that she was going to be something. For fans, at this point, probably not so much. I know that she wasn't on my radar in mm -hmm. April 2014. It wasn't until a little bit later that I actually started to, to pay attention to Sasha Banks. I think she was a hidden gem at the time. And so it is cool that he pointed that out, and it's even cooler that it turned out to be so incredibly true. Yeah. Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear? You know, for all the shit that I gave the commentary during mm -hmm. that women's match, I do just want to shout out Renee Young for one thing, which is her theory that Summer Rae's soul <laughs> is in the <laughs> stick puppet that Charlotte is carrying around. <gasps> I was just very, very tickled by that line. <laughs> I really enjoyed that line as well. It, this commentary was not rich in um, Tom Milk to Cat moments, but it did have a couple of gems. And so that that was definitely one of them. All right, Bob, what did your human heart feel? Okay. <sighs> I felt the story of the main event. <laughs> like, mm, it wasn't okay. good. But... Okay. Also, it kind of was good in a way. <laughs> okay, tell me why. Okay, I cared so much that Zane didn't get his win and especially didn't get it in a situation where he was clearly better but was not well enough to win. There was nuance to it. Like, it wasn't cut and dried. I think this was also the first time I've ever gotten to see a match called by a ref. Like, I've seen matches that mm. should have been called by the ref because Matt mm -hmm. Hardy left all his self-preservation back in the 90s. Oh, boy. So. I, Did he ever? Yeah. <laughs> it was nice to see ref stoppage and have it mean something with a wrestler that I cared about and I felt was wronged. I had a feeling I was going to ask you, and I realize now the naivete of this question, but I wrote it down. 
Was this an unusually good example of ref stoppage? I am going to wait and let you go. Oh, Bob, you sweet summer child. Look, okay, might as well get into what my human heart felt because yes. it's on the same subject. I am glad that it worked for you. I'm oh, glad that you, you were compelled by the story. And I think that to the extent that, you know, if you can get into this kind of storyline, this probably was a good example of it. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't get into fake concussion stuff. It's too big of a problem for athletes and for wrestlers, especially in this case. I mean, concussion issues are the reason that Corey Graves is going to have to retire. Oh, so it's I'm just going to spoil that now. No, that's fine. So he is going to have to retire because he had too many concussion issues. It's the reason that Daniel Bryan temporarily had to retire. Jeez. It's the reason that Chris Nowinski stopped being a wrestler and went on to become a fucking concussion researcher because he was so worried about this problem. In the world of football and other real sports, yeah. but mostly football, it causes people to go crazy and kill themselves. Yes. And, I, and, and I just cannot get into it as a storyline. And I hate it. And so I, I'm glad that it was able to do something for you. I'm glad you got into the story of the match. I'm glad that what they were trying to do translated for you Mm -hmm. and made it a storyline that you were interested in seeing the result of. For me, I simply cannot. I don't want to see your fake concussion storyline. It happens too much in real life. There's just a difference for me in like if you're if the story of your match is going to be the guy has a knee injury, like I get that also happens. But when you have a knee injury, that shit is taken seriously. You're put on the shelf. You go see a doctor, you get surgery. It's not a problem. It's a thing that happens, but it's not like an institutional problem, Mm -hmm. a breakdown in morality behind the scenes. Whereas concussions in sports and in wrestling very much is. There is so much stigma against going out with a concussion, or at least there was. Certainly in 2014, there was. And in wrestling, there's way too much of of an attitude of like, tough it out, you know, and I just, for me, I couldn't feel anything after this episode other than just like disgust at Mm. this storyline and the fact that I personally did not want to watch it. And I'm okay with other people having a different reaction to it. That's just how I reacted to it. No, it makes total sense. I guess I just didn't have the framework of like how big a thing it is, but it makes total sense. And I think if I probably did have more of a framework for it, I would also go, yikes, this doesn't feel good. Yeah. All right. Well, those were the sight sounds and feels of pro wrestling. We are going to close things out here now with the cheap pop quiz. So, Bob, you got six points. I want to get all three. I'm <laughs> OK. I always want to get all three, but I'm just saying it now as though I'm, you know, the secret. You put it out into the universe. All right, Miles, I want those three points. All right. Well, I like these questions a lot, so let's see how you do. Question number one. The next episode of NXT takes place after WrestleMania 30 and the episode of Raw immediately following WrestleMania 30. So in between episodes, which major event that affects us here at NXT has occurred? Is it A, Bo Dallas debuted on Raw by winning the Intercontinental Championship in his first match? B. Paige debuted on Raw by winning the Divas Championship in her first match. C. Rusev debuted at WrestleMania by attacking John Cena after his victory over Bray Wyatt. D. Neville 
appeared in the very first Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania, where he suffered an injury. Or E, Sami Zayn appeared in the very first Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania, where he suffered an injury. Bo just dropped the championship. The last mm-hmm. time they had somebody drop the championship, the last two times they had somebody drop the championship, they got called up. So I'm going to say Bo. Okay, so Bo debuted on Raw and won the Intercontinental title in his first match. Question number two. Which of the following does not take place on the next episode of NXT? A. JBL returns. Mm. B. Oliver Gray, one half of the first ever tag team champions alongside Adrian Neville, returns. C. Devin Taylor interviews a referee backstage. D. The winner of season one of Game Show NXT, who has already been on the main roster for a while, makes his this version of NXT debut. Mm. Or E. Bo Dallas has a meltdown upon finally realizing that the fans don't like him. A lot of these sound really plausible. Mm -hmm. I am choosing between JBL or Oliver Gray. It makes sense that they'd bring JBL back because obviously like he doesn't like not clean endings. And this wasn't a clean ending because of the ref calling it. So I bet they probably are going to drag him out here to be annoying. I'm going to say Oliver Gray is the thing that doesn't happen. Answering B. And finally, question number three. The next episode opens with a memorial graphic for a wrestler who was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame on April 5th and died on April 8th. Oh, what? Okay. What is that wrestler's legal name? Okay. Is it A, Barbie Blank? B, Curtis Hussey? Hmm. C, Gianna Daddio. (laughs) D, Michael Hickenbottom. Or E, Warrior. Keep in mind, all five of these names are the legal names of various professional wrestlers. You know what? It's Barbie Blank, just because that's fun. Okay. All right. So your answer is A, Barbie Blank. Come back on the next episode to see how Bob did on this edition of the Cheap Pop Quiz. Well, that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Bob, as always, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for bringing me on what started as a hostage situation and is now a beautiful road trip. <laughs> that's I. That's the hostage buddy comedy I want. No, that's a terrible idea that for a film, but I I would enjoy it and I would read that fanfic, but that doesn't make it a good and noble idea. The act of becoming a wrestling fan really is analogous to Stockholm Syndrome in a way that we don't think about often enough and probably shouldn't start now. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's probably leave that stone unturned. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you as well also to all of our patrons, all the people who go over to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and sign up to give us money every month. You are all amazing people. We don't deserve you. No. And <laughs> and we just want to give you a shout out. In particular, certain people, 
give us enough money on a monthly basis that they get to win the next Wrestling Fan Federation Championship. And Bob, <gasps> we have a new champion once again. Oh my gosh, we've had so many title matches recently. That title is moving yeah. around like a hot potato. It's really like a WWF in 2002 kind of situation going on right now, which is a reference that some people will understand. Okay. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so as mentioned, we had our new tiers go up a little while ago. Uh, If you were previously a $10 patron who won the title and you go up to a higher tier, you are then eligible to win the title again. One of the people who has done that is Eric McNaughton. Which means that we have a new champion in the form of Charles Recon, our latest two-time champion, our two-time traveling champion, if you see what I... Because oh, he's a time traveler. two-time traveling. Miles, yeah. I see what you did there. So, yeah. <laughs> For how long do you think Charles Recon knew that this day was coming? And the question is, does Watership Doom also... Like, did Watership Doom foresee this as well? I think this is all part of Watership Doom's master plan, but mm. I'm not. We don't know what his endgame is, is the problem. How could we? We are but mortals. Indeed. Uh, but yeah, Charles Recon is our new champion. Thank you so much to Eric for pledging at the $20 level, uh, because you are awesome. Thank you so much to everybody also who just listens and supports us with your heart. And we have lots of bonus material on the way. Yeah, we do. Actually, in production, uh, all the things we've been promising over the last few months are slowly coming to fruition, uh, including uh, Ill Omens, including the the Scooby-Doo WrestleMania mm-hmm. mystery episode. Including more cutting room floor and also a little bonus episode that Miles and I recorded ages and ages back. It's very small, but it is a bite-sized romance episode. Yeah, yeah. So that's all coming down the line, uh, as is uh, the uh, What If Cats Put Pro Wrestling, which <gasps> I'm currently in the process of working on. Oh, it's so exciting. So lots of reasons to go become a patron uh, if you are not already. One thing that you can enjoy, regardless of your patron status, is our watch parties that mm-hmm. we we're doing monthly and then we're doing bi-monthly. And now we're just kind of doing it when we have the time. Um because cause I don't know if you've heard, Bob, but uh, I decided to have a second child. <laughs> this this news had been relayed to me very early on because you realized that I am pod married to you and perhaps should yes. know about this situation. And I thought that was very thoughtful of you to let me know. Yes, uh, but it is official in that regard. Congratulations. Congabulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, you know, life is going to be crazy for a while uh, <laughs> once that happens. But we still are dedicated to having watch parties uh, that all of you are welcome to attend. We do it over on cast and we have a lot of fun ideas for this next one, which is going to be on May 30th at 1 p.m. Pacific time. And I will make that an event in the fan faction and that way you can go and say, hey, I'm going to be there and the cast link will be there. And also, you should just come hang out in the fan faction anyway, because we are always there to have a good time and to vote on dumb things. And to talk about what you have in your kitchen that you're like, man, I paid three bucks for this. And it's the best three bucks I ever spent. All kinds of all kinds of ridiculous stuff. Tell us about your favorite Kung Fu Panda movie. All of it. (laughs) We've uh, we've had some next wrestling fan podcast listeners jump over into the Smash Fiction fan faction recently. I was very happy to to see you all there. Welcome. Uh, It's a wonderful place. It's the only reason, as far as I'm concerned, to still have Facebook. So, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, that's coming May 30th. We're going to have a lot of fun. 
I'll be relaying more about the actual uh, r- matches we're going to watch together at a future time. But for now, uh, <laughs> we hope to see you there. And all that information will also be going up on our social media, on Twitter and all that stuff. Yes. So, thank you all so much for being fans, for going on this journey with us, for helping us do this, helping us make this thing. It's so much easier to oh, make goodness, it when we yes. know we're making it for somebody. So um, the fact that you all are here following along and uh, being part of this with us is really meaningful. So thanks a lot. We will see you in two weeks with a new episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Bye! The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairn. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. All right, I got out my burp, so hopefully we're good. (laughs) I know. All right, Liz. I know. I wish. I wish I could do a giant Liz burp. I, I have. I don't have those kind of that kind of capacity. I guess. Oh, I start us off. God damn it! <laughs> Yet again. Uh. Uh, how? How? It. <sighs> okay. <laughs>